Welcome to Ana Conversations with Myanmar. If you'd like to add your voice to the conversation here at Ana, please reach out to us through any of our social media platforms or you can email us directly. This conversation features Simon, a Myanmar NGO worker currently on the ground. Simon speaks to us by candlelight during a six-hour power cut. Whilst his electricity is limited and essential for his work, he understands the crucial importance of telling the world what is happening in Myanmar. Relying on mobile internet that has skyrocketed in price since the coup and is no longer affordable for the majority, Simon knows he may not have the opportunity again to speak out. He is fortunate to still have work at this critical time, through which he is able to support his family and give what little he has left to support his friends in the PDF. Simon describes his heartbreak at the situation in his home state of Sagain, where the internet has been cut off for months, village after village burned down by the military and homes and crops destroyed, causing complete and utter devastation. The reality of seeing so many people he loves having their homes and food supply taken away watching neighbours perish and having to rely on those whose homes escape destruction for food and shelter is becoming increasingly hard to bear witness to. Prevented from leaving these areas to find more stable refuge, the new reality for Simon's family and so many others is just survival. Here Simon tells us the heartbreaking situation so many in Myanmar are living through right now. Let's start the conversation. So, uh, Simon, as we're going to refer to you as, thank you for, for finding the time to speak to us. I know right now you're in the middle of a power cut and you are by candlelight with just enough battery uh, to do this Zoom. Um, and that's kind of an ongoing thing, which maybe you can tell us a little bit about how life has changed in the last few months. But um, maybe introduce yourself a little bit so like, we can get a sense of who you are. You're someone right now in, in Myanmar who is living through this situation at the moment. Okay. So I'm Simon working as a staffed in NGO and international organizations in Myanmar. So um, now I'm living in an area so which is very restricted and people are forced not to uh, express their feelings uh, freely. Yeah. And what, what was your life before the coup? Like what, what were you doing? Did you just have a normal life or you went out with friends? You had a job? Were you living yeah. a very normal existence? Yeah. So um, before, you know, the coup, before our 2021 uh, February, so it's very, very nice life. It was very nice life for us, uh, living with friends in Yango. We talked, uh, we enjoyed life, and we have so much future at that time. So um, for me, you know, personally, I planned to go and study in other country, you know, to make it a lot for my community. But actually, you know, at that time, you know, I was planning to um, collecting documents and information, something like that, you know, to apply the scholarship to join the another university to continue my education. And um, I was working, you know, uh, to promote the youth across Myanmar in here. Personally, you know, everything was changing a lot you know, during a short time, you know, in February 2021. So the coups took over the power and everybody was, most of our leaders are detained. So um, everything is changing. So starting from that time, you know, day and night, we could not sleep very well. You know, even in the daytime, 
even in the nighttime, you know, we worry like they will come, uh, you know, detain us, you know, without any reasons. When I lived in um, Yangon, like 20 years ago, we participated in the demonstrations. At night, we can't even, you know, sleep. So uh, most of the people, you know, my close friends, they also was detained by the coup without any reasons. So it's terrible. Uh, still now, you know, I feel like I'm in the terrible nightmare. Yeah. And what is life for you now? Like, we're more than one year. Like, is there any normality? Can you go to work? Or are people trying to move on? Are people still resisting? What What is the sense on the ground there at the moment? So uh, for me, you know, um, due to the COVID-19 situation, we don't need to go to work as it is, you know, uh, dangerous. The place where I work also, you know, no safe. People are watching us. So um, some of our leaders, like some of our senior managers or something like that, they moved to another country. But for us, we stay in the country. So uh, we, we have to live with a low profile. So it is hard to tell, right? Uh, sometimes if we going to post in Facebook, I feel like, you know, we have been watched. So um, it's not freely, you know, like as we are living in, you know, last year. So it's totally changed. And in terms of just the power cuts, because I know it's just recently they have become so long, like six, seven hours a day. Um, is that is that just recently and is it becoming every day now? Uh, it's almost like every day, like it's starting from the uh, last month. So uh, for me, you know, I have to depend on the uh, electricity and internet. So internet also has been cut out. And also now they don't cut out internet anymore, but they raised, you know, the price of the internet. That's why it is very hard for us, like especially for the youth who are using, you know, internet to uh, acquire more our education opportunity and work opportunity. It's very, very difficult for us. So we could not afford, you know, for me, uh, it's still okay as I am, you know, a paid employee or for, you know, some company, but some of the youth, they could not, you know, they are jobless. They don't have job. So uh, they could not stand by themselves. And sometimes, you know, they don't know how to, you know, they don't dare to think about their future. Also, yeah, the city is the same. That's what I'm just going to ask. Like, in terms of you right now, are you using the data on your phone? That what internet you're able to use right now, or does the power cut the fiber? Yeah, so I have to. I'm in the uh, rural area, so I have to use the uh, power bank. So for the computer, we cannot charge with power bank. So we don't have that much big power bank to charge our computer. But for the uh, Wi-Fi, we have a home broadband. It's a small Wi-Fi, and we can charge with the power bank. That's why it is stable. Yeah, I wonder. So obviously that's becoming really difficult, even just to communicate with each other on, on the ground. Yes. Is there yeah. a fear of sending text messages, that they're being intercepted, that the, the, the military can check your messages, your phone history? Are you yeah. afraid to communicate? Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. So even if we would like to, you know, communicate freely with our friends, like a very close friend, so it is very hard to tell, you know, what we are feeling right now. But we just, you know, apply like, okay, don't say that when, when we are meet outside, let's say freely, uh, we just talk or something like that on the phones. We trying to avoid, you know, as much as we can, some of the secret things, some might be sensitive for them, right? Even for us, it's very sensitive, right? So, um, if we have a record or something like that, they can come and retain apps. Starting from 2021, uh, February 1st, 
So some of the people, they donate, like they support uh, Syrian people, you know, civil disobedience people, teachers, nurses. So they support them, right? So based on the bank account they use, you know, the military coup, so uh, they track on the account and now they came and, you know, address the people. Like maybe some of the people in Yangon and in the urban area, most of them became arrested because of they donated the amount of the money to the CDMR and other people. Yeah. And in terms of right now, the feeling amongst the people, and like, do you still see resistance every day in some small way? Because obviously we saw those huge protests, but information is coming out less and less every day. But in your experience of what you're witnessing, I know you're in the rural parts and you have contacts around the country. Are the people still resisting? Yes. So uh, people are trying to resist, you know, in their own way. Right. Uh, for me, you know, um, I work and I'm trying to, you know, contribute as much as I can on my community. Right. Sometimes even even want to donate, you know, it's very hard. And also it's very easy to track, you know, what are we doing? Right. In here in my area, I am the only one who are working in the NGO field. Some people are, you know, stay notable, right? So I'm using computer, I'm using internet Wi-Fi, and I'm speaking English. So uh, some of people in my area, you know, it is very new in here for me. This I'm, I'm living with my um, wife in here. Here is my new, you know, a new community. So some people a little bit, you know, aware of that I am the new one, strange one, speaking English a little bit, and working in international organization, right? So I have to be careful about that too. And I know your family are currently in a different part of the country. Do you want to tell us a little bit? Because obviously um, there's no information coming out. Is Saigon, is the Saigon region they're in? Saigon, yes. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about the situation there and what's happening. Yes, in Saigon. So, you know, uh, last week, starting from last week, so all of the region, uh, all of the, you know, town and village, the internet was a out. The whole region in Zagayan, right? They only have four line assets. They need, only can talk with the four mobile phones. It is open because of they can track on the phone calls. That's why they uh, open it. But on the other hand, they switch off the internet and they cannot use internet. But they open their operation, you know, mental. So they are operating by them. So it was open and some of the people, they don't use the mental cat. And that they uh, cannot use with any other, you know, same cats, any other operator to use the internet. So only at the, in my region, uh, they don't have any assets for the internet. So I have to send the message via uh, SMS phone to my sister to inform like what's going on around Myanmar and the updates new. Somehow maybe they can track. However, I need to send them to know the update, right? So in my idea, maybe, uh, Two miles away from my village, from my native village, the Malachi Coop, they located in there and they located in there. This is, that is not the, you know, uh, the place where army saturated, but they are temporary location, right? So they stay there and, you know, they try to figure out who are walking what. And, you know, some of the people in the village, even in the same village, the same villager, some of the people inform like, uh, for me, you know, I'm jealous of Ruth. So I say like, hey, uh, Sakasa, uh, you know, in Ruth House, there are plenty of guns and weapons. They have connectivity with the PDF. So you should go and check out there. At the time, you know, the soldier didn't check anything or any check information. 
so they could just go and you know find out everything and you know just find you know whatever they seem like a motorcycle and you know but sometimes they fire everything right even for the rice we have you know uh, plenty of rice as we are growing rice right so they burn them all the time so it's really terrible some people you know um from my parents and my relative in my village they scaled like last two days ago uh the military was informed that in our village oh pdf are there and also um guns are also there you should go and check there that's why you know melody decided to go and find in our village whether there are guns or weapons in there so people in my village they really scary and they afraid and some of them they trying to you know leave their home and go away only our village didn't ban it yet but the rest of the village already banned it most people are in the displacement so they don't have house yeah so for those displaced people Simon what do they do do they go to the villages that have not been targeted or do they try and make their own shelter what do they do so you know we are in Upper Myanmar it is very hard to hide now we don't have any mountains we don't have any you know big trees the land is very flat you know are here maybe 2 miles 3 miles away we can see them but all the crops are cultivated so none nothing is there you know just you know just the field so we can see everybody so nobody can hide there so they try and do this place like to the place where they feel like they are safe some people they are in the you know in the middle of the field they make a shelter and live there some people they go to the place like maybe they move to another town like where you know they can visit some of them my relative in another village so they go to the mandalay where some of their relatives are there but you know they trying to live you know as close as their village or those their village was you know banned down you know they would like to see what happened in there yeah did the military arrest people or did they just destroy and kill yes um uh, according to my family um uh, your relative uh, they said like uh, they came into the village you know before they are in the village they shoot the gun and they throw the weapons in the you know through the bones in the village and when people hear the gun you know the fire so they go out they scare they go out some of the older people they couldn't go out and they still live in the village and you know they retain and they arrest them and also uh they ask many sometimes they ask many and also if like my age if they see like my age so they retain and also they call they bring them along with them as the human shelter you know and sometimes you know they they collect the people they arrest in the place mostly in the monastery or in the school and they live there and as long as they are living there they don't allow these people to go outside just stay there and also some of the women especially their wife or maybe their mother have to go and cook something for them and also and come and give your husband or son to treat something like that right but more of the people if they are in the village they don't stay the villager they don't stay if the soldiers are in the village they don't stay in the village they just go away they trying to avoid not to meet them so the soldiers stay in the village that they have burned down yeah yeah 
and they their purpose is to prevent PDFs. Yes. Yeah. So they once they have done that to one village, do they then wait for information for an informant to then target another area? Do you know how it works? Yeah. Yes. So in the village called Chao Dai, so it is made two or three miles away of our village. So they collect, you know, they bring all the people they arrest in a place and they also live there. And if PDF came and fire, you know, they were not hurt, right? The people, you know, who mentioned they will, they will get hurt. So, uh, but actually the PDF did not come to as, you know, people as the civilians are, you know, near them. So they don't dare to shoot them. That's why they were a far away. And also if they are going back to their normal place, so in a way, PDF go and fight them. Like maybe bombings or, you know, timing bomb or something like that. They fight such kinds of things, but not with the people. They don't fight with the people. But when they are away from the people, they fight. And is that region strategically important to the military? Is that why they're targeting that region? Oh, yes. So Sagan is, you know, in the north, we have a KIA, so Kachin State. You know, and in the east, so they have like um Magui. And also, it's very, very easy. The Zagai is very easy, uh, very, you know, tough place, you know, to be like self-administrative zone because of, you know, it's the upper part of Myanmar and also around the Zagai, so many PF and M groups are already there. So this place easily can be self-administrative zone. They don't want to lose that zone. That's why they're trying to prevent it. And also Zagai is the very biggest region in Myanmar. And then Shan State, you know, Shan State and Sakai State, they both are the biggest one. That's why they don't want to lose that area. Do you think they've been successful? Do you think they've, they've um, gained control? So um, last two months, like, it was like a P- one of the PDF groups, they um, announced that we are going to be self-administrative zone in Sakai. But actually, I think both groups didn't win until now. You know, people got more suffer. Some of the military group, they also, you know, dying. Um, but on the other hand, you know, some of the villagers, civilians, villagers and some of the PDF, they also dying. They, they have to pay their life as well. It's really horrible. Yeah. I was just about to say this must be incredibly hard to deal with, especially having family in the area and friends yes. in the area. How easy is communication? How often do you get feedback from them that they're okay? So the village called Namasai, you know, recently they have been banned down. You know, it's not so far from my village. So uh, I contact him, but I cannot contact him. So I would like to donate some of the money uh, from my salary. Actually, I cannot contact him. And, you know, even on Facebook, I cannot contact him. I think he might be in the EPF. But actually, maybe, I think he might die or something. Simon, what is your motivation to keep going? I mean, obviously, your life is in danger. Everything that you do is putting risk on you. And and I guess it's the same. But why are you so motivated to keep fighting back and keep finding ways to support the resistance? So I think if we live, so and then we won't get any freedom. We cannot do, you know, anything. If we are alive, we feel like we are dead, right? That's why, you know, as much as we can, we have to fight. And so most of the civilians are on our side and we need to fight it back. Although it's very hard. So all the people around me and all the people around us, you know, uh, we feel 
very confident, you know, we will win one day, but we need to keep fighting. If we give it, you know, uh, we will have to suffer for many years, many ages, maybe for our generations, you know, it will not be good. So we have been suffering for 60 years, you know, uh, maybe 90, 62 time from that time, you know, it is ridiculous. So we don't want to suffer our generation like that. That's why. Is there any special kind of measures that you take in order to protect your security? Is there certain things you have to do now? Like, do you use VPNs? Do you like not talk to, to people? How do you, how do you operate right now and stay, stay safe and, and under their radar? Uh, so, you know, I do not used to go out as I have to walk from home. And, um, if I have to go out, I have to hide application like, uh, VPNs and, you know, click to donate. You know the application called click to donate. So if we go to the link, we donate something. So I do a lot of things. So that's why I have to um keep secret. I have to hide all the applications, you know, VPN and something like that. And I have to hide everything. I have to make two Facebook accounts. So if I go out, I just switch that account. And if I am in home, I just use my you know my official one. So my official one have, you know, a lot of information there. So if they see my account, I could be addressed. That's why, you know, um, I have to hide everything before I go out. Yeah. You mentioned right at the beginning when we started talking that you had lots of friends that were arrested last year when the coup first happened. Do you know of their whereabouts? Did they release them? Do you know what happened? Uh, No, 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 no. They are staying in the jail. So um, especially, you know, the place where I work and where I grew up. So we grew together, but they are in the jail till now. Some of the um, parents, they contact and they can give some of the food into the jail, but I think they, 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 they are okay. Even if it's not okay, right? So they are there. Um, some of the people, some of the, my friends are in PDF. So maybe we couldn't have a contact, like starting from in the middle of the February, I could not contact him. So he's like, um, I will be in a way. During this day, and then you might not have my contacts again. So if I have, you know, a place where is it okay to contact you, I will contact you back, something like that. But until now, I could not get any information from him. And I asked my friend, do you also get information from him? They say no. And then now the fightings are, you know, in the top. And then I don't know what is going on with him. Yeah. And do you feel that there is like a, a support on the ground for the NUG, the National Unity Government? Are people getting behind them enough on the ground or do you think some people are not so sure? You know, the group, the PDF, which have names, you know, is a little famous in Grand. So they might got, you know, some of the uh, support from them. But actually, most of the group, they could not get some, you know, they could not get any support. They only get the support from the local people. Yeah, I think not very much support from them. So, so they're still very low on weapons and money, and they need more more support, yeah. coordinated support. Yeah. Because I guess people have no jobs; they're doing CDM, so they haven't got a lot of yeah. money to donate. So they need it to come from like a bigger source, someone like the NUG, to get that to them. Yes, sure, that's it. Very important, you know. In Myanmar, so we have been donating, we have been contributing as much as we could for one year. But now we don't have, you know, most of the people jobless. You know, we don't have job and to support. Also, you know, the price, you know, the good price are in here. 
is horribly increased in here. You know, the gas, we only have, you know, 700 jets last year, but in now it's 2000. You know, we couldn't afford that much, right? And who is this having the biggest impact on, Simon? Are the rural communities, are the people in the countryside, in the villages, do they have enough to feed themselves already? Does it affect them worse or does it affect the people in the in the suburb, on the outskirts of the cities? Or do you know? Yeah, so um, it is time, you know, for all the people in the area, like especially in my village, it is time for them to start planning, you know, for the next season crops. But actually, they do not trust their future. They do not trust their situation. Maybe tomorrow they might die, right? That's why they do not dare to plant, start working on the, you know, for next plantation, right? So um, they don't have money. They don't have income. They have to eat, you know, what they have been saved. Some people, they don't have money that they have been saving, right? Especially in our idea, you know, the health, the COVID-19 situation is very tough. Some people, they caught, you know, they sneezy. I think they feel like it's the normal one because of they have to pay attention more on the wall. You know, they have to pay attention to the soldier. They have to care about that one so much, right? The health situation, they don't think. They think it is necessary, but they don't have time to think about that one. You know, even they have to dine with the COVID-19. You know, uh, they don't really care about that one, but they have to care about, you know, the military one because of they can come and, you know, kill all the people, you know, other family members. That's why they are paying attention to that much and they could not make so much money. And now, you know, the thing that I know is like in my region, in my place, I don't hear like the thief or the, you know, robins or, you know, something like that. I don't hear that news until now, even though they are, they suffer, you know, from the, you know, getting food or something like that. They share each other for now. Yeah. So there's been a change. People are so desperate now that people have to steal. That's what's, what's yeah. happening. Yeah. And I guess that's only going to get worse unless this mm-hmm. changes. It's dry season right now, isn't it? Yes, dry season. Yeah. So you've got rainy season and the COVID situation. How is the COVID situation? How are people coping with the, the lack of food and, and the COVID virus? Yeah, so in my area, one of the, uh, one of my brother, we can say brother, yeah. So he is a doctor. So he also CDM. So he go back home and he stay in village. So, um, it's very lucky for our people, you know, because of they got, they got medical assets for him, right? But actually he also have to keep low profile. However, you know, in other non-CDM doctor, you know, they afraid of COVID-19, so they close, they switch off every their clinic. That's why people don't have anything, you know, to go and cure their, their diseases. That's why they came, all, most of the people around our village, they came to our village and got medicine from the doctor. But he also don't need to say out loud, like he's here, right? Now he also stay in the house and keep his low profile there. Yeah. Like we saw, as we were saying, the military coming in and like burning all these houses down. What What is the purpose of that? So people have nothing to go back to, so they can't come back. Is it just to make the, the village disappear completely? Is that their goal? I, I don't think so. They want people to get fear of them. You know, they want to give the fear first. They think like everybody in Myanmar, they have the courage, you know, to fight back. 
to technology, but we don't have enough, you know, weapon again to fight them. In that situation, you know, they would like to keep forcing the people like they are doing these things. They want us to get fear on this point. And also, I heard some of the news that, you know, um, around that village, they have BF, right? So if they are burning down the house, the BF will come and help that villager. At the time, they were easily, you know, captured that BF. That's why, you know, in every village which has been burning down, uh, some of the older people, they are in the village. Some of the animals, they are in the village. To rescue them, you know, BF used to come there and rescue them. But actually, they don't have good enough weapon. That's why they feel and most of the BF die in the our village. Yeah. And for you then, because obviously you're saying like they're using, you know, people as human shields. I've heard of them walking them to make sure that obviously if, if the PDFs come, that they kill the civilians or that they step on the landmines and they use them for landmining clearance as well. Yeah, yeah, are yeah. you are you afraid as a male that if, if they for any reason come across you or find you of what they will do to you? Do you think as a male they will assume you're a PDF immediately just because you're you're a young guy? Yeah. Of course. So they have no any rules or regulation during this time. Now they are, you know, they are the top. They are, they have the authority, right? So if they think I am the PDF, if they assume that I'm PDF, they can, you know, retain whenever they want. Even at night, even in the day, they can, you know, they can retain me anything they want, right? And here, even though we are going, you know, outside and they are, they are standing at the gate, if we don't stop, the bicycle, or if we don't stop, if we don't follow, you know, their rules, like in front of the gate, we have to get down and pull our motorbike or something like that, or push our motorbike. We don't need to ride the motorbike in front of them. If we, you know, not over that one, they can shoot with a gun, you know, something like that around Myanmar. That's kind of situations are, you know, around Myanmar. Some of the people, they call fire, something like that. Yeah. Um, are you Do I answer your question? Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. No, I'm just, I just wonder how it must be so terrifying for you, like, you know, uh, and like you have your wife there, you're trying to protect your family. Uh, it's just horrible. What do you think is the key to ending this all? Or what, what are the things that you think need to happen in order for the military to lose their power? So um, now I think we, all the regions, all the village, all the people are not fully trusted in the revolution fully trusted in the change, right? So in some of area, like if house are getting burning, right? Especially in Anya, our upper Myanmar, but in lower Myanmar, the where I am staying right now. So people don't feel like it is so important, right? But on the other hand, my native village, people have to pay their life, you know, have to suffer a lot. Even in the same country, same situations, in this side, you know, they don't feel any suffering, right? This is not fair. I think if we want to end this, so we are, me and my people need to fight together. And also CDM is also important, right? So um, civil disobedience is also important. Now uh, we got so much people are becoming SSCDMs, like uh, soldiers, police, and like uh, in the teaching staff, teachers, they also are involved in the CDM movement. But actually, it's a little bit, you know, we need more support. On the other hand, so um, for the people who are fighting in the ground, 
they actually need you know support from the people who can contribute you know the amount they can afford right they don't have any gains even people in the pdf area they would like to fight it's not fair like they don't have any gains proper gains and they don't have handmade gains they can shoot only one time and in order to shoot next time they have to prepare so much stuff right at the time the machine can, can uh, shoot so many times and during that time that's why you know people got killed a lot yeah i can't believe how much your uh your life has been turned upside down it's just it's mind-blowing how much has changed from like before the coup to now i just don't know how you're coping i mean it must be so hard to process so hard to deal with it how how do you do it how do you make sense of this how how are you coping um sometimes you know um i don't want to even live in this life right uh, it's very hard. You know, we don't dare to think our future. Sometimes, you know, uh, I have a chance to talk with the youth in this community and I ask them, you know, some of them, they don't have to go to the school. You know, they have to any right to go to school and even, you know, the school was open, but they don't want to go there because of it just runs by military, right? So they don't want to go there. And also, you know, anytime we can be arrested, right? So we are like, you know, even we are still alive, like we feel like it's dead. Like we cannot go and we cannot do anything what we want. You know, if we want to do something, we have to report so much time. And then, you know, the sunset, you know, the sunset, the information of the people in the house. So, um, yeah, they will collect that information very soon. If we cannot prove that we are living in that area, we can be arrested by them. So this is the issue. We have to fear another things here. So the census then, will that be military soldiers? Will they come round and collect that information? Uh, first, they um, order like a, the chairperson in the village to collect that information. And the chairperson in the village have to report that who are in the village and who are not in the village. And based on the sunset, you know, they will make so much terrible things to us. And if we want to, uh, one thing I forgot to mention, if we want to pass the gate between the village and between the town, we have so many gates there. So we have to show the license, right? A motorbike license. And also we have to show that we are vaccinated from the COVID-19. We have to show the certificate, so many documents. If we can show that all the documents is not enough, they complain so much and they ask money a lot. So some people, they don't go to the town and stay in the village. So when when you're talking about that sort of bribing, is it? It's like forcing people to pay money to, to pass through. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're seeing lots of that, I imagine. Corruption. Yeah, so much corruption there. So if you want to go to the another town, for example, you know, I want to go to the, my village, my hometown. Now I'm in AR divisions. I want to go to the um, second divisions. So in during divisions so many gates are there so we have to give even you know uh, if we want to go and we have to have a recommendation from our headquarters you know from our chairman so to go to the chairman and ask for a single recommendation we have to pay money so this is my area is a little bit lower than the area in my native town so to across one village to another village they have to be 500 jacks for a single time with any reason 
So basically, Simon, if your village is bombed and you're a displaced person, you can't leave. There's no way of getting through these checks. You won't have money, surely. Yeah. So this is just going to lead to starvation. These people will starve. Yeah. So uh, in this case, in Myanmar people, so for example, in my place, their houses are burning down. So I moved to another village. In another village, even we are not relative, they support as much as they can. They share food and they eat together. So uh, they don't need to worry about that one. And also if they have to stay longer than they predict, they have to start worrying about that. Some of the village, like it had been either one month or two months, they only have maybe uh, one or two days for food, right? But it took so much long. The military group also stay in the village. They don't go back to their place, but they are stay in the village. They are stay in the modern street. The village, they cannot go back to their home and they have to survive in the jungle, you know, in the field. At that time, it's very hard for them to find the food. Even for the water, it's very hard. And have you, like, considered trying to leave the country? Uh, so much, so much, you know, uh, with the reason. But I, I do not want to leave my country. Yeah. So some of my friends, they go to uh, another country for the study. For the study, it is great purpose. For the migrant, you know, for, and, uh, for the living to the another country in order to save. I don't feel confident to go something like that. I don't want to leave my family here. You know, if we have to die here, we all have to die together in here. I don't want to leave. And I imagine as well, you have a skill set, like even you speak English, you have a lot of experience, so you can contribute in this as well. So do you feel a responsibility to do what you can to help? Ah, uh, yes. And in, in here, luckily, you know, I, I still have a job, you know, to survive. And I can still contribute to my family. So I can still live in here. Sometimes, you know, I, I want to go to the abroad and stay there. But I, I don't want to uh, communicate with the officer you know, in the migrant and also in the passport office. You know, now my passport is expired. So I don't want to go and you know, extend that. I don't want to talk to them. I want to give money to them. That's why I don't want to communicate. Even, you know, passing the gate, you know, between the town and between the village. I don't want to talk anymore. I don't want to go in front of them. Just hate them. That's why I'm trying to not communicate with them. And do you have any moments of normality? Like where you watch a movie or where you, you know, do things or is, is your life completely different? Or do you still have moments of like joy and laughter in, in amongst all of this? Uh, no match. Even, you know, I did not have a chance to talk with my friends. Now in here, I'm the only one. It's very new one. I know my wife and I know wife and family. That's it. And, uh, you know, if I want to talk to my friends, even some of my friends in abroad, it is not okay uh, to, to conduct them. I don't want to conduct them. You know, um, during this time, you know, it's very hard. Uh, you might have had that I recently married. So in the marriage ceremony, we don't do it it's very big. We just make it short and we don't invite, you know, any of our friends. So we just invite a few of them, right? That's it. So um, we don't have much, much happiness and much enjoying with friends like we have ever been doing in the last few years. How much longer do you think that you can survive like this? This is what I do not yet to think and don't want to think about that one. I don't know 
how long will it take? Uh, we have to suffer how long? Yeah, so we want to end this game, you know. We don't want to live under this uh, threatened situation. So even at night, you know, um, for me, even I'm living in the area, the rule is not, you know, um, effective in here as well. That's why, you know, I don't deeply sleep well, you know, in here. If you're jealous of me or if you, if you are not agree with me or if you're not justifying, you know, uh, the thing what I do, you know, uh, you can inform the military. They can come and, they can come and, you know, uh, arrest me, you know, anytime. And I guess that's harder because in your home community, they would know you your whole life and you would have more of that support system where you know that everyone feels the same. But when you're living in different places, you're in a constant fear that somebody uh, might just take a dislike to you for some reason and uh, report you to the authorities. It's quite terrifying. So, yeah, you probably have not slept since this happened properly. Yeah. And also in here is also in a new place and people... I think, yeah, I feel like most of the people, they are watching us, even what we are doing, you know, and also most of the people are spines of the uh, group. So uh, they are living in somewhere are watching us. So even I'm walking in here, I have to stay in home. Yeah, something like that. How do you carry out your work then with all the power cuts and with the internet problems? So... At night, if the electricity came back, you know, I have to charge my computer and I have to charge my power bank. I only have one power bank and I have to charge it. Um, yeah, that's it. As long as I have battery power, so I walk. If we don't have the battery power, I just turn off and I just inform my college that I have no battery power. So, um, it's very expensive for the buying gas. So I do not get that much salary, you know, very high salary. Even if I'm buying, you know, gas, I have to pay internet bill. It is equal amount that I got, you know, as a salary. That's why it's not okay. So I have to shut down everything. I don't know how to walk if we don't have any electricity or internet. It's it's just it's it's such suffering for for so long. I just hope that it doesn't it doesn't continue for much longer. And we're just trying to keep getting international attention because people in the country are not going to be able to keep giving money to the resistance. They have no money. They have nothing, you know, and they need food. They need support. They need weapons. They need all of these things. And they need, you know, the military not to be able to drop bombs on civilians and they shouldn't be able to burn down the villages. So we really need the international community to do more to help you guys because I mean, I know you guys will will survive and hang on as long as you possibly can, but it's not easy. You know, it's it's hard. So it's very hard. It's very hard to stay and survive here. So for me, you know, um, I got some amount of salary and they pay via, you know, a banking system. So we have to care with credit card, but actually we have to withdraw that money with percentage. So it makes our life more difficult. Right. If we have percentage. Yes, they took. Yeah, they do. How do they take that percentage? They control the bank. And then when you are in Myanmar, you can use the ATM very well. You and as much as you want, you can withdraw. Right. In here, we can even use the ATM. We have to uh, withdraw our money from the agent. The people, you know, they are holding so much money. And they just give, like, if you have maybe $100 in your bank account, 
him and I will give you cash. But you have to give me percentage. If we are going to withdraw, you know, maybe uh, some say like $100, you have to give me 10 and you only will get $90. Are these are these business people running this? Uh, who who are the, these agents? Well, what is their background? Um, so this is like uh, the people who have money during this time, right? The rich people, most of chronic people, so they have money. They can save money, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is like the really, really sickening thing from it because you would think that hyperinflation, that increase in money just to buy things like gas, would actually affect people that are pro-military. But the reality is there will be people that are benefiting those people yeah. that sell the gas. It won't be relative to them. So it's not hitting the people that that you would hope would get affected by inflation. Instead, like their savings, I guess, inflation-wise, it's it's comparable, whereas it's the poor people that just will not be able to, to cope. They won't be able to, to buy the yeah. gas. It's just devastating to hear it's devastating to hear how much your life's been turned upside down and also like i mean that's not the military that's just rich cronies like that's that has to stop too like that that can be happening you know and i i get really frustrated sometimes because a lot but of these rich cronies suzanne like they'll be in allegiance with them won't they like coming back to sorry obviously cut this bit but coming back to they might not be pro military but they'll be in allegiance enough to keep functioning as a business you are basically in allegiance because politically you're not standing up against them. You are benefiting from it financially whilst these people are, are dying. You're, you're supporting that regime, even if like you aren't, you know, a military person. To me, that's pro-military. I mean, it's a fair point. Yeah. But it's just, it's just that the thing is we separate them. We think, oh, they're cronies, they're business. And yeah, maybe we need to start seeing them all as one because anyone that's taking $10 off somebody's $100 in these times is just a disgusting human being. And, <laughs> and I think the same yeah. for the international community. If you're financially benefiting from this situation, you are pro-military. You are pro the slaughter of those people in that village that are getting burnt down. But um, I'm so conscious of like the fact that you are using all of your battery and all of your internet and we're really grateful to, to hear your voice. Is there any yeah. kind of last message or like, you know, don't leave this conversation having not said everything that you want to say out to the world? Yeah. So I think it's important, you know, to see our people. We are also humans. And so most of the people like me, the youth people in Myanmar, you know, being helpless and hopeless so we don't know what to do and you know we are youth and we can speak english of course but we don't want to leave our country and we want to fight and we want to involve in the process of you know uh, this revolution so um we are hoping that we can do the work and we are surviving and we need of course we need international help so we have been helping each other you know since february 1st but it has been one year, over one year, and it is hard to survive. And most of the people are suffering in across Burma. Yeah, across Burma. Uh, yeah, so that's it. Thank you so much for talking to us. It's been, yeah. it's been harrowing to hear. Like, I, I just, I feel so bad. Is there anything that I can do? Like, not podcast-wise, just like cutting. Can we stop recording? Yeah, let me stop the recording. Thank you for listening to Arnar Podcast. You can follow us on all major social media platforms. It's at Arnar Podcast. 
spelled A-H-N-A-H. Please like, follow and subscribe. Myanmar remains in our hearts and thoughts. We have not forgotten you. Let's keep the conversation going.